Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Series titled Real Relationship. And the mission of our church is to lead people to live in a real relationship with God and each other. It's based out of Matthew 22, 37 through 40, which says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And I really love verse 40 in the Living Bible Translation because it says that if if you do these two things, if you do only these two things, you'll find that you're obeying all the others. And um, that led us to kind of believe that there's something more to church than just um, getting together, that it's about um, our relationship with God. It's our relationship with others. And when we find love in that, when we find peace with God and peace with ourselves and peace with others, that man, harmony comes. And it's not so much about obeying a list of rules as much as is God saying, listen, I made this really simple. If you will do these two things, you'll find that you're obeying all the others. And so then inside of that, um, what we found uh, our first week was Acts 2, 42 through 47 talks kind of about the first church. And what you see in that church is there was authentic fellowship, which is our um, value of honesty. And uh, really just digging on that a little bit and finding out that, man, when there's when there's authentic people involved, people are attracted to real. And that's one thing that me and Heather value together is, is uh, authenticity or genuineness. So um, it's that. And then we also value honor. And we value hospitality and we believe if honor, honesty and hospitality are um, present, then unity will soon follow. And unity means there is no pecking order that we're all made in God's image, that we all bleed red and we all belong. And so our hope in what hospitality is, is that um, that people coming in kind of set the tone, that we welcome people on their terms. And when they leave, they feel like there's always a place from there. I'm always welcome back. And I believe that's who Jesus is. And so. Um, last week we talked about kind of the attitudes to having a quiet time or a personal relationship with God and how we could kind of dig a little bit deeper into that. There was a handout and a lot of back and forth and engagement. And so I'm going to step away from that for this week and just dig more on what a real relationship with God is and how I'm going to portray that. I've been telling you for a few weeks at some point you'll hear my story. And so I'm just going to tell or share my story today. And so the one point is our, our earthly fathers are temporary. Our heavenly father is forever. And so much of the time, especially for me, I was doing things based on who my heavenly or who my earthly father was and how he wanted me to operate because I believed I believed him and his principles. Right. And so it's all good in uh, all that. My heart is heavy uh, because um, because this was a huge turning point in my life where I actually realized that, that I do have a heavenly father is a God who created me and he wants more for me than I want for myself. And so how can I walk in that? And so here's how that was. Here's, here's kind of how that operated. Uh, I, I, I thought about this. This came back to me uh, because uh, I became a new dad again uh, yesterday and, and Heather uh, birthed another beautiful baby boy. And uh, it is uh, just so miraculous and so amazing that um, I get to do this again. And so we have three other kids. We have uh, two boys, Oscar, Kaz, and then Lainey is our third. And then Axton, who we just brought home, is our fourth. And so uh, to become a dad again is special because I see another opportunity to be better than I was. 
And uh, I think as dads, our goal, at least my goal is I want my kids to be better than me. I want them to have more than I had. And um, I know that in doing that, I just have to be like, I think there was a time where I was trying to figure out like, um, what do I have to do to be a good dad? And I met with a, a counselor once when I was newly married and we had just had Oscar our first and he was just a couple months old. And I found this, I was at this stress uh, I had this high level of stress because I was like, crud, man, I've got to be a good dad and I've also got to be a good husband, but I've also got to provide and I'm working. And, and I loved, I loved at that time. I loved to work. It was my blind spot. It was kind of what kept me busy. And so um, what I realized in all of that was if I'm a good husband, I'll be a good dad. And my kids are going to see how I treat my wife and they're going to treat her the same way. And uh, in all that, it's, it's all going to even out. It's a little bit deeper, probably another sermon topic that we could talk about. But in that, uh, my next thing that I realized was I need to be what I wish I had. There's not going to be a question I'm going to be able to answer as to, well, if I do this and this, I'll be a good dad. Because honestly, I thought, well, to be a good dad, that means I just need to throw a few more I love you's out there. I need to throw a few more hugs out. And if I'll just hug and say I love you, which was a little bit more than I got, um, I'll be a good dad. And really, uh, those are empty if there is no emotion behind it, if there is no, if there's no heart to it. And so um, I learn a little bit every day. Um, I come across uh, new ways to be a father and to be a dad and to engage. And that means sometimes uh, coming home from work and having to switch gears and, and change the posture of my heart to get into dad mode and, and turn my phone off turn the ringer off and go put it on the charger away from uh, everything that I'm doing and just engage in my house. And so um, what's funny um, about being a dad and, and my posture there in the beginning was uh, it doesn't matter how many hugs I throw out or how many I love yous. Um, being a dad is more than that. Being a dad is more than hugging and saying, I'm, I'm sure proud of you. And so um, as we begin today, we're going to look at um, how we call our father, Father God, our Heavenly Father, Dad. And so we recall how we first got here. It's in Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth, and he said it was good. And inside the heavens and the earth, here's what you need to know. There are 60,000 beetles. There are 60,000 different types of beetle. And what that shows you is that God loves variety. They're all beetles. And so I would tell you the same thing, that, that God loves variety. We might have different cultures and ethnicities and races and religions, but God sees us all as, ooh, look at what I made, right? He says he saw it, he made it, he saw it was good. When you look at volcanoes on earth, what you see in those volcanoes is God's power. There's also um, a little bit of uh, just fire and explosiveness. So you can see who God is and all of his, and all of his strength, right? In volcanoes. If you look at the ecosystem, you can see that God is incredibly organized. There's so many layers and links to our ecosystem. And so you know that God is great, but what you see in the book of Genesis is that God saved his best for last. It says that he breathed life into Adam and Eve. And the first thing that they saw was God's face. The first thing they saw was God's face. And I imagine when God saw Adam and Eve, he said what most dads say. He looked just like me. He looked just like when I looked at, at Axton yesterday more or yesterday yeah, morning, I said, man, he looks just like me. Does he? No, all babies kind of look the same if we're being honest, like they kind of all scrunched up and, and, you know, a little bit of hair, but you see yourself, right? And I think there's this, there's this moment that you're proud because it's like, wow, 
look what God, look what God did. And, uh, my amazing wife and, and, uh, look what, look what we have now. And thinking that, man, this is what God, uh, said. This is what God felt when he made Adam and Eve. This is what God said and felt when I was born. This is how God sees me. Right. And so happiness filled, um, Adam and Eve's hearts and God saw everything that he made was perfect. And what I want you to know is that that's how God thinks about you. Just the same way that, that I thought about Axon, or if you have kids, you know um, exactly how you felt. And when you feel that like, man, I can never love anything else like I love this baby, right? Like I love him or like I love her. And then you have another one. You realize you can, but it's different, right? That's, that's how God looks at you. You're an Adam. You're an Eve. You're created in God's image. And he loves you. He loves you just like that. And so we're going to fast forward back to my story as a son to an earthly father. It's not as good as being, uh, you know, God's creation, which, you know, he is our heavenly father. So it's all good. But I believe you're going to be able to relate to my story, even if you had a different type of dad. So uh, I'm adopted. I got adopted. when I was 18 months old. I took my I took my adopted dad's name when I was 18. Um, the one thing you need to know about my dad, he is a good man. He's a hardcore disciplinarian. Um, never said I love you. Uh, never any hugs. He rarely said he was sorry. Okay. There just wasn't much love. And, and a big part of that was who his dad was. It's who my grandpa was, right? And we all kind of get softer in our older age. But because I grew, kind of grew up in that really strict, kind of hardcore environment, it made growing up hard. It made me feel like, man, I could not mess up. And so growing up, I never knew if my dad was, was happy with me. I knew um, if he was mad, I knew if I'd done something wrong, but I never knew if he was proud, right? I never knew if he was proud. And so, um, and, and all that's what I want you to see is, um, this is not like, oh, poor Pastor Dusty, because it's, it's not like that at all. I'm trying to get you to relate here. And so um, in all of that, it was hard because I was trying to kind of seek um, acceptance or approval from a dad who was never going to give it. And so every growing up, every time my dad was mad, I knew. I remember almost every one of them because they were extreme, right? Um, but I never knew if he was pleased. I just assumed, I just assumed if my dad wasn't mad with me, mad at me or mad with me, you know, to pretend on any language, um, that everything was okay, right? But I worked my butt off to accept that. Uh, to earn that acceptance and approval uh, the whole time, making sure that I just didn't make him mad. As long as I didn't make him mad, everything was okay. And um, that was really tough for me. And growing up in that environment, it created some really, some really uh, not bad, but different values or, or bad values, if, if, if that makes sense. And so in creating those values of doing and like just constantly being on, um, I learned that I had to break those values and I'm going to kind of tell you how, how that happened. So if you think about growing up, uh, most of us can remember when our dad was upset with us. Right. And so I thought that this is kind of the first step for me. I thought back and I thought, well, that's cool. And then, uh, did I ever know if he was proud of me? And I thought, I thought through it and there are only two times that I can remember that my dad was proud of me. And I thought, man, Man, if you grew up with a dad who was different, who was like not a disciplinary at all, but would tell you that he was proud of you all the time, 
Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. But there's two sides to every coin, right? There's there's got to be balance in the discipline and, and the proud and the and the and the pleased, right? And the proud and the and the uh, and the uh, discipline, whatever. And so, um, did you know uh, when your dad was pleased? So um, upset, I knew all the time. Proud, hardly ever. But I realized in this, and this is really what changed my. Uh, perspective as a dad more than anything is, uh, man, there are times I get upset as a dad and there are times that um, I'm very proud as a dad. But what about the 98% of the time that I'm neither? Do my kids know that I love them? Uh, Do they know that I am pleased with who they are? Do they know that they're good enough for me? Do they know that they don't have to do another thing and I'm going to love them the same no matter what? Because I think as parents, we all feel that. And the connection that we're trying to make today is that, that our Heavenly Father, that God the Father sees us the same, right? And so if you look, um, what I had to do was ask myself that question. Do my kids know um, when I'm pleased? And so if you look at Matthew 3, uh, 13 through 37, what you're going to see, sorry, Matthew 3, 13 through 17, sorry. Matthew 3, 13 through 17, it says this. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me. And I'm in the Holman, by the way. Verse 15 says, Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. Verse 16, after Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. I take delight in him. And what I want you to see is this is how God sees you. This is how God identifies with you. And so making sure that our kids know that they love them is is one half of it, but making sure that we know that God loves us is the other half. And so what I want you to see is a couple different versions of verse 17, Matthew 3, 17. The NIV says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, who I love, and with whom I am well pleased. And pleased is a big word. If you're taking notes, it's a good time to jot this stuff down. The New Living Translation says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Who brings me great joy. And I just want to tell you today that you bring God great joy. You do. The International Standard Version of the ISV says, Then a voice from heaven said, This is my son who I love, and I'm pleased with him. And I'm pleased with him. And so through those different versions, you see delighted, pleased, brings great joy, and ultimately, I'm pleased with him. Right? And so um, what I want you to see this morning is, this is exactly how God sees you. He would say, This is my son, Dusty who I love, and with whom I am well pleased. And if you have kids this morning, I challenge you, uh, do your kids know that you're pleased with them, that you love who they are, that you love who they are no matter what? And there's a lot of times for me and Oscar, I have to tell Oscar, bro, you don't have to win all the time. You don't have to win every game. And and when he doesn't, when he has excuses, I was like, listen, none of that matters. Do your kids know that? And if they don't, tell them. 
And it's not that you're going to be an extremist and go from one end of the spectrum to the other, but man, start pouring it on and let them know that, hey, the 98% of the time that they're okay with you, that you're really happy with who they are, right? So now, now that, um, now that we've got it done, have you ever thought that God was upset with you? And, and the answer to that is, is for me, it was yes all the time, right? And, and to get to the root of that, why did you think that? Why did you think God was upset with you? And the reality is, is you created it. And what creates that for us is our shame, um, regret. Sometimes we feel worthless or undeserving. We don't feel like we're good enough. Um, and or here's the other thing is we keep making the same mistakes. It's the same mistake over and over and over, right? And so our own guilt condemns us. And then we slowly, what that what happens is there we, we disengage and we slowly drift away from God. And then talking about living in a real relationship, it's a big point, right? And so we distance ourselves because of our diagnosis. I create the distance because of my diagnosis. Well, I'm not hearing anything. And so I'll just, I'll just go ahead and guess that God's upset with me. And so then I'm going to duck my head and I'm going to turn my back and I'm going to walk away. We distance ourselves because of our own diagnosis. We believe God could never love me because fill in the blank. And the reality is, is God loves you because God loves you because no matter how far we push God away, he's always there. So you might think that you push and you distance, or you might think that because you uh, have messed up or because you uh, woke up today and, and you were in a bad mood when you came down or whatever, that, that God is farther from you today than he was yesterday. And the reality is he's not. He's waiting on you to accept him the whole time. He's waiting on acceptance the whole time. And so Romans 3.23 says this. The Bible says, um, we all fall short of God's great standard. This is our value of honesty. If we would all own this right here, we all fall short of God's standard, meaning we all need God's grace. The key word there is fall. We all fall short of God's glory is what some versions say. And what you need to understand is God knew that you were going to fall. And he knows that you're going to fall again. And he knows that you're going to fall again. And it's not that we do that intentionally. It's not like, well, he's going to be there every time. So it's all good because those intentional falls without um, regret, without repentance become um, intentional and God can't honor and God can't live in that. Right. God loves you. And he's he's wanting you to just turn and engage with him. Uh, but in all of it, um, he knows that you're going to fall because that's man. That's sin, that's our sinful nature. And so falling is not God's concern. Resurrection is. It's why he sent Jesus. It's why Jesus rose on the third day. Falling is not God's concern. It's about you getting up and reengaging. It's about you getting up and being consistent. It's about you getting up and being diligent to say, man, I fell. But maybe this time when I fell, I fell three months later instead of three months later or three months later as opposed to three days later um, or, you know, three weeks later as opposed to three days. It's baby steps. Our walk with God is a journey. Your potential is longer than your lifespan. We always used to say that. And so then you're never going to reach your potential. That means you need to set a good pace. Don't come into uh, any type of environment or relationship with God thinking that um, you're going to get there. God wants more for you than you want for yourself. And he's got more for you than you can actually handle. And so then set a good pace and let God bring it to you on his timing. God knew his story for the world, and he knew that it wasn't going to end in Genesis chapter 3, right? When he left Adam and Eve, he knew what was going to happen. If you hear anything today, 
what I hope that you hear is that God sees you. He knows you. God loves you. And he's not mad at you. God doesn't hold any grudges against you. He's not against you. And he's not going to make you work for anything. God wants life and abundance for you. God is not a God of grudges. He loves you. He loves you like he loves Adam. He loves you like he loves Eve. He sees you and he sees himself. Image. He sees his image in you. Anything you've ever felt contrary to the love of God is not from him because that's all he is. God is love. I could show you 17 scriptures right now that say that. Let's go back to my dad. It's my, my earthly dad, right? As tough as my dad was, he taught me good ethics. He taught me morals. He taught me right from wrong. He taught me uh, good and bad. But what I didn't know in all of that is he learned that from his earthly father. And while he was learning that from his earthly father, his relationship with his heavenly father was non-existent. And so what I had to do was check that and say, wait a second. Um, are these are these earthly values? Is this an earthly perspective? And, and I'm not trying to be weird. Or is this a heavenly perspective? And how is this viewed? Is this, are these biblical values? Are we building our life? Are we doing this? Are we doing this right because it's rooted in right? Or because doing this right allows me to do this and work in the system? And so um, I was, I wasn't raised that way. And so um, realizing that um, my dad's values and what he was teaching me wasn't rooted in the Bible rocked me. And so then I had to learn or relearn uh, who my heavenly father was because I was connecting my dad to who God is and I was wrong. I was wrong. And so my heavenly father, um, is nothing like my earthly dad. And I'm not putting my earthly dad in a box. My dad's my dad, I'm super thankful for him and, and how he came in and took me under his wing and raised me, did well, I have great character, I have great character because of who my dad is. Uh, but how I was raised and and, and the extremities that, that we were in, uh, I think that's the right word, um, they just weren't optimal for, for growth, right? And so that, my first, my first step then is the same thing that your first step is. Realize you have a heavenly father, that he's different from your earthly dad. Realize that you are a son or that you are a daughter, that you're an Adam or you're an Eve. You're just generations removed, right? That the creator of the world made you. And then after you realize that the creator of the world made you, um, you only have to receive what God did for you. And so once you receive who God is and, and why he sent his son. You can start to believe who he is to you and what he wants for you. And so here's what had to happen for me. I had to make this shift in my head from who my father was and believe in my heart who my heavenly father is. And as I let go of what I knew, my life changed. As I let go of what was in my head and, and how I had to do and how there was a system to, to be played out, um, everything changed. And the same is the same is true for you. And so if you brought your Bible or you have um, version Bible app, I'm sure you have that on an iPad or something. Um, I want you to see it for yourself. Something happens when you read the Bible for yourself. God speaks to you through this. And so um, he's brought this to my attention. He spoke to me through it. It's why I'm sharing it with you. And I'm hoping he's going to bring the same revelation that he brought to, uh, to me to you. And so just know that, that um, 
God wants to say something to you this morning. So in Psalm 68, verse 5, it says that God is a father to the fatherless. And so regardless who you are or um, how present your dad is from 100% to zero, God is a father to the fathers. He's a father to fathers, right? And that's what Psalms 2.7 says. Psalms 2.7 says, The Lord said to me, You are my son, and I have become your father. If you're taking notes, that's Psalms 68.5 and, and Psalms 2.7. And so what does that mean? How can I be? How can I be a son to a heavenly father? How do we grab a hold of that? Like for me, that was difficult because, uh, because of how I connected God and, and my dad. And so it's made, it's, it's made really simple for us. We don't have to know anything. We only have to receive. You can grow in knowledge, but how do you grow in knowledge if you've never received it? How do you gain anything without receiving, right? And so we don't have to know. We only have to receive. I'm going to tell you a story about my friend Andrew. Um, he worked at, um, it's not important where he works, okay? <laughs> but uh, he was he was a guy that had approached me. He's a Muslim, and he had a girlfriend that he was going to ask to marry him. But before he asked her to marry him, he um, he wanted to convert, and so he wanted to convert from being a Muslim to being a Christian. And so one day he catches me and says, hey, he says, you're a pastor. Um, uh, yeah. And I said, yeah. And he says, uh, tells me the story. He says, I want it. Can you help me convert? And I was like, Phew. yeah, yeah, I can. But can we do this tomorrow? Because I really want to do it right. Like in my mind, I was like, i to do this right. And I want to make sure there's context and there's clarity. I want to make sure I lay all this out. And, and he's like, yeah, man, that'd be cool. And so um, I walk away, but I didn't write it down. And uh, I forgot. And so uh, as, I, as I come back around to him, I see him the very next day. And uh, he's like, hey. And I said, oh, man, I didn't tell him I forgot. I said, hey, can you just give me five minutes? And so I go and I, I pray real quick and I try to get my thoughts together. And uh, the one simple thing comes to me, receive, just receive. And I go, okay. And so I go sit down at his desk and I say, uh, I said, hey, I say, hey, bro, uh, what I want to tell you is there's, there's no, there's no such thing as conversion. And, and he's like, what? And I said, it's only acceptance. It's only acceptance. And so I say, do you believe that God created the world? Yes. He says, yes. Great. I said, do you believe that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you? That, that Jesus lived a, a sinless life, a perfect life, and he took the sins of the world, and he took your sins. He died for you. Do you believe that? He said, yeah. And I said, you received that? And he says, yeah. And I said, you're converted. And you can tell he's most of them are very disciplined people. Their uh, their discipline is to be like it's sometimes it's embarrassing for me because uh, I'm not as structured or as disciplined. And so uh, you can see his wills are turned. He says he says okay. He says um, what about what about baptism? And I say okay. I said. You need to be affirmed in your faith. You need to confirm that, that what you just said, and I show him Romans 10, 9, which says, 
If you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart, what you said, then you will be saved. It's Romans 10, 9. Andrew, you just said this right here, and uh, that confirms it. And baptism is, is the next step, but baptism comes after you you feel, and not that you have a lot of knowledge, but you are, yes, this is correct. You, you understand what you just stepped into. You understand the journey you just started. He's like, okay, okay. He says, what about my hours? And I said, goodness gracious, man. Um, there's no such thing. And again, this is, these are our beliefs, right? And I said, God loves you. It's, it's, it's Matthew 3, 13 through 17, right? So we already read it. And this is how God sees you. And he's pleased with who you are, no matter what you've received. So now your next step is to read the Bible. And so you don't have to do that for any period of time. You just need to start the conversation. Just start reading. And as you do, um, God's going to spark something in your heart that's going to engage you more and talk to him through all of that. And he says, okay. And I said, so your next step then is to read. And I sent him a reading plan. And um, uh, I didn't get him a Bible the first day, but the third day I did because he almost stole one from a hotel. And uh, that's all good. That's all good. And so all that to say, it's only about receiving. And if it can be that simple, and not every story is going to be that simple, but it's that simple. You just need to, to receive. And so before we know how, we must understand who before we know how, we must understand who, right? And so you take this in the context of if um, if this is if this is it, this is the word of life, this is the living Bible, then I should probably be in tune with the author first, so I can receive, so I can understand. And so to get to know the book, you have to understand the author. We do this for every other book we read. We need to do it with this book. To do that, we have to differentiate between uh, what we know in our head and what we believe in our heart. And so from your birth, you were identified as a son or a daughter of the Most High, of your Heavenly Father. The Creator of the world thought of you. He made you in His image, and you, you were created by the Father of all fathers, right? So let's go back to my story. My next step was to take what I knew about my dad versus what I believed about him. It's actions and words, right? When our values are correct, when your value is right, your action matches what you say. And what you need to know is, is when you say one thing and you do another, the value's off. It's wrong. There's something at the root. There's, there's different. Okay. And so that's what I noticed. We were saying one thing, we were doing another, or we were doing one thing, we were saying another. And so that was also was like, okay, when I realized that I didn't have much to believe, um, but I knew a lot, I realized that all of the faith I had in my earthly dad was head knowledge. It was all head knowledge. Not that we want it there, but what I believed about my earthly dad was all in my head. And it was all a program or a system or a, you know, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And the next thing that I learned is it was forced. I was forced to operate that way because if I didn't, he'd get mad. And so it was forced. So I had to ask myself, um, what do I know about God? What do I believe about God? And the realization was most, most of it uh, was all the same as my dad. How do I think about this? How do I think about God? What did I know about? What did I believe? And when I asked those questions, uh, it, was, it was essentially the same. It was the same thing I thought about my dad. Don't make him mad. Keep him happy or lightning will strike. Right? Did you ever think that? Did you ever think, oh, man, I just hope, hope that doesn't make God too mad because I've got 
And, and when you're living out of fear like that, man, it'll, it just messes with you, right? And so a couple questions if you're taking notes and to realize who taught me that? Who taught me that lightning could strike you dead any moment? Who taught me that? Was it something I overheard? Was it something I took somebody else's word for? Like, did I read it for myself? Did God say that? Did God say that? And so a lot of the times in these situations, we look to the Old Testament, right? You can see the Old Testament. And man, there are some phenomenal stories in the Old Testament. But how we view the old the, the Bible at Redefine is this way. Man, we're going to learn from the Old Testament. We're going to live in the New Testament. This is who God's called us to be because of the cross. The cross connects the two. And because of the cross, God says this for me. Now, we're going to look and we're going to reference, and you can cross-reference Scripture back and forth all day long, but man, the Old Testament is for us to learn from, and, and all of that heavy, like, God will strike you down, was Old Testament living, it was very fear-driven, and man, we want to live in life in abundance, we believe God's called us to live that way, and so we're going to live in the New Testament. And so, when I got down to, was it forced or was it received? Was it knowledge or was it belief? And did I have faith in what I knew. Did I have faith in what I knew? And so you find this in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. It's the proof of what is not seen. It's the proof of what is not seen. And so from your head to your heart is only about 18 inches, but it's one of the longest journeys that you're ever going to take, uh, especially when you're wanting to know your heavenly father, because no tends to be a do. And God is not a do. You can't do a relationship with God. It's some. It's something that you live in. It's who you are, right? And so then the conviction, now faith is the assurance, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Here's what conviction is. Conviction is heart knowledge. It's in your heart. So this is not head, oh yeah, I already know that. This is heart knowledge. What convicts you? You have to identify what convicts you. What is it that, that's, that says, that's not good. What is that? It's God's spirit. Okay. God's spirit convicts you. People call it the Holy Spirit. People call it the Holy Ghost. But God in you is what says, whoa, that's not good. Right. And one thing that you, uh, that you know, that you know, when you're convicted is that is when I'm convicted about that. I know that I know that I know that I know it's wrong. Right. That we shouldn't do that. That's heart knowledge. That's belief. Right. That's belief. And so what you need to understand, or I hope that you get today, is that there's a big difference between being convicted about something and being convinced about something. Being convinced is like, nah, that's a good idea. You know, I could probably do that. Being convicted is a, nah. And sometimes we get those two confused. I can teach a whole, a whole sermon on that if I want to, but it's really weighing those two out. What's the difference? And so let's get practical. If you have a relationship with someone, or you did, or you don't anymore, we're going to talk about the ways that, that that relationship should go. So think about this. How do you know them? How do you know that person? We're talking about living in a real relationship now, right? And so we've, we've worked through my story, and this is essentially my story, how I related to being a great husband, okay? And so uh, think about how you know them. Do you spend time with them? If you're note-taking, do you spend time with them? Do you follow them? Do you follow them? Do you listen to them? I was a terrible listener. I'm still not a great listener, but I'm better, right? And get Heather here. She'll give you a good amen right now. And then um, what you understand is when you do those things, those people have priority in your life, 
right? You've invested and they've invested. So there's an exchange. There's a relationship. There's a relationship. Every relationship works off of exchange. And so the only way that you can have a relationship with somebody and know them is when you receive them and you believe them and you trust them. And so even a lot of marriages right now are working off of, well, I love you. Well, you know, I love you, girl. You trust her though? Yes, honey, I love you. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Because it's love plus trust. It's the same way our relationship with God works. Everybody can say they love God, but to say I love and trust means I'm willing to follow, right? Means I'm willing to go. And so that if you, if you have this and, and you, you have one but not the other, or say you have trust but not love, then it's only an acquaintance. There has to be love and trust for there to be a relationship. And so to go from acquaintance to relationship means those two are both present. And that's where I had, that's where I had to dig in. And so then we need to identify, here's a couple things you can identify and I'm wrapping up. We need to identify what is your relationship with God? Okay. Today. It's a great day. It's a great time to reflect because we're inside. Um, we're kind of, you know, locked out from the world right now. And so, man, what, a, what, there's no better time than right now to reflect and say, Okay, what is my relationship with God? Is he just an acquaintance, right? And what is it to you? What is it to you? Do you spend time with him? How do you spend time with him? Do you sit? Do you listen? Do you read? Do you pray? Are you following him? Are you engaging with him? How do you follow? How do I follow? You can only follow in a relationship because there is interaction, right? Now, following without permission is stalking. That's a crime. You will get arrested. Don't do that. Okay. Plus it's super weird. I'm not telling you to do that, but there must be a follow, right? Who you follow on Instagram, who you follow on Facebook, right? There's a follow there. Who you creeping on Facebook? That should be a crime. All right. And so then do you listen? How do you listen? Do you get quiet or do you have something to listen to first? Do you get sidetracked or distracted? Right. And the big question is, is God a priority to you or is God an acquaintance to you? Are you intentional? Do you invest or just talk to him when you need him? Do you invest in him? Do you invest in that relationship or do you just talk when you need him? And then you can justify your actions as a relationship. Yeah, yeah, I prayed yesterday. I prayed on the way to work or, you know, my boss is being jerk. So I prayed for him. Like, you know, sometimes it you know, reflection, <laughs> where are we at? Where are we at, right? And so, do you know this, that you're good enough? And I'm gonna challenge you with this. Um, I'm challenging you with this because, because I've done it, okay? And so, um, after you engage in a relationship with God, what you see is this, that um, God's pleased with you, that he knows you, He's numbered every hair on your head. He knows you. He's pleased with who you are. And so that means that if you're going to make God happy, you never need to lift another finger for him. He loves you just how you are. He loves you just as much now as he did yesterday. And he loves you just as much now as he's going to love you tomorrow, regardless of, of where you go or if you slip up. God loves you. God loves you. And so a good way to think about uh, this is to compare um your relationship to God, to your relationship with your spouse or uh, whatever your, your most engaging relationship is right now. Okay. And so think about that relationship 
And then um, what you need to understand is I've asked our, our congregation this before. If I only talk to my wife for five minutes a day, how good would our relationship be? If I only talk to my best friend five minutes a day, girlfriend, whoever, if I only talk to them five minutes a day, how good would that relationship be? If I only talk to them 10 minutes a day, you can crank it up as much as you want, right? Engagement is everything. And so for my wife, it's this. How do I know my wife, right? It's more than physical. Come on, somebody. It's more than physical. It is, am I engaged with her um, emotionally? Um, am I, uh, am I tracking with her? Do I know her love language? Uh, do I, um, do I care? Right? Do I care? So some of the, some of the uh, questions I have, how much time do I spend with her? Here's, these are good questions if you're taking notes. How much time do I spend with her? Okay. The same way that I know Heather is the same way that I know my, my uh, heavenly father. Sis, I think about her often. I ask questions. I listen. I take notes, I journal about her, I write about her. So I take notes about her and then guess what? Because I take notes about her, I can read about her, okay? I pray for her, I speak life over her, I thank God for her. And because I do those things, because I am fully engaged with her in those ways, there's relationship, she's became priority, just like God wants to become priority, right? Because of that, she's my rock, she's my rock. I believe in her, I believe 100% in Heather. But it's because I'm engaged. It's because I know who she is. And so knowing all that doesn't mean our marriage is perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't disagree. Um, but I will say this. The one thing that we have got right in our relationship is we have our way. It's never my way or her way. We're never disagreeing to win. We're disagreeing to solve our problem. And so then, again, another sermon. But we have to identify at the root of the disagreement first. And then we move forward with our way. And, uh, man, when you do that, you'll move mountains, you'll move mountains in your marriage and your relationships. And so I say all that so you can grasp your relationship with your heavenly father has to come before your knowledge of him. I'm going to say that again. Your relationship with your heavenly father has to come before your knowledge of him. You have to receive who he is before you can know him. You have to receive who he is. If your response to that is, yeah, I, I know that. If that's your response, then then that's it. That should be a check for you this morning. You might be missing it if you think, Dusty, I've heard everything you say, and man, it's kind of good. I don't have time, or I already knew that, or I've heard that before. You're missing it. Missing it. It's not about a do. It's not about something to do. It's about who you are, and it's about who God wants you to be. And so here's the close. The reality of what God wants in his relationship with you can be seen in Matthew chapter three. And if you want to read it again, it's 13 through 17, but I really want to park on verse 17. And I'm going to go from the NIV. And it says a voice from heaven came down after Jesus was baptized and said, this is my son who I love and with whom I am well pleased. This is exactly how God identifies with you right where you sit. This is the exact way that he identifies with you every second of every day, regardless of what your coworker says or your business partner or your wife or your kids or your nephew. It doesn't matter. This is how God identifies you. This is my son, John, who I love, with whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my Adam. This is my Eve. This is you, right? This is you. And so it's not about what you do for him. 
It's who you are to him. And the big point is God accepted you before you were born. It said that he knew you before he created the world. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He numbered every hair on your head. He knows you better than you know yourself. And that's who your heavenly father is. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.